Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And a very fine day to you. My goodness, I tell you what, there is something about spring and summer that just makes the heart sing. And there's a lot of people in the green industry, of course, that make your heart sing too. I'm Melanie Walker and talking to me today about all things to make your garden flower beautifully, to make it grow beautifully, and to make it just the most organic place you can be. I have a couple of ladies from Talborn Organics in studio with me. And uh, the first one, Maureen Madising, who's the horticulturalist at Talborn. And I call her the big cheese. She says, no, I'm just the sales manager. I'm sorry, Jenny Slubber, you are the big cheese. <laughs> you have been the big cheese since I first met you, and you will always be that way, because that's the face <laughs> that I see. Now, going back a little while, not so long ago, uh, working in garden center i had this wonderful happy person come running up to me and going la, 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 la. and i just thought okay i love this who are you and i want to talk to you some more because i thought if everybody had somebody like maureen working for their company and talking and interacting with the public that product is going to sell for them better than anybody else's. So well done on that, on catching my attention. Maureen, how long have you been involved in the gardening industry? Uh, hi, Melanie. I've been involved within the industry for the past five years, but I've joined the Talbon team about a year ago, last year in November. Okay, and what did you study? Horticulture. Yes, I have a diploma in horticulture, but now I'm still studying. I'm doing my BTEC in horticulture with UNISA. Okay, so it's so nice as well to hear that people are still studying to go into the green industry because I know that worldwide it's actually become a thing. And I saw a whole article in the newspapers and on TV in England where they're saying there's fewer and fewer people going into the green industry, which I think is really crazy because this is the growth industry. Excuse the pun, <laughs> but it really is. I mean, the feeding people is going to be one of the number one jobs that you could actually have going forward into the future. Would you agree with that? Yes, I totally agree with that. And knowing what you are feeding people, what are you putting into the soil? Mm -hmm. That is what we are all about. We are about growing health. Yeah, exactly. So there's this thing that came up over the years. I mean, I don't know how long organic fertilizers have been around for, but we all were used to take a handful of this and just throw it in the garden. And it was just chemicals, you know, made plants grow and get green and leafy and whatever we wanted them to do. But then all of a sudden there was this big, I'd say a mind shift where everybody started thinking, hang on, we don't want to just willy nilly throwing harmful things into the environment and organic stuff came around. What is the difference between a chemical and an organic fertilizer? So the difference between the two is with organic, you're not just feeding the NPK. You know, mm -hmm. with the organic fertilizers, they've got the minor, the micro nutrients that the plant needs to grow. Because, you know, if you're just feeding the NPK, you, you're inviting pests and diseases to come into your plant. How? Uh, for instance, if you're growing mealies, and then you is the, the stem and the leaf starts turning red, now you've, you have a zinc deficiency because oh, now okay. you didn't feed the soil with zinc. So too little potassium in your plants, you look at the tips of your leaves. If they start going brown in the edges, now you, you know that you've got too little potassium in your soil. Oh, so it's that thing that, you know, people come in and they go, oh, my leaves are going yellow. And we just look at them and say, okay, it needs copper. One of those kind of things. Jenny, is that what we're talking what about? What happens is um, you'll see it particularly on Clivia's agapanthus, that dry tip. Mm -hmm. And very few people realize it's just a potassium deficiency. Many years ago, we discovered this when one of our random harvest, Linda LeLuca, said, but 
there's a salt burn on my plants. Mm. And we said, our fertilizer doesn't contain salt. And then what we discovered was that the potassium is the cause of that. Really? That crisping tip. Yes, yes. And you see it all over, and that's a plant that's really stressed. It's so that's what's happening to my spathophyllum, my peace lilies probably as well. Possibly. Possibly, so I must give it some NPK. But NPK, I mean, let's just break it down. That is nitrogen, potassium. Phosphate yeah. is the center one, yeah. and potassium is the, the last of the three. Okay, so each has a different thing. So nitrogen is for the green. The green leafy yeah. growth, nice stems on your plants. And that's actually what the solar panel, that builds a solar panel on your plant. Oh, okay. That takes up the radiant energy of the sun, and in the leaf it converts that energy into plant energy. So the nitrogen is for that a good, strong leaf growth. Yes. Followed by the phosphate, we all know it traditionally for roots, yes. but the whole energy factor, that's where the solar energy is converted into plant energy through the phosphate. Right. So it's very important for vigor, productivity, and South African soils are particularly deficient in phosphate. That's why our natural soils just sort of grow spindly plants and no vigor and no productivity. Mm. And then the K, potassium, Kalium in German and Afrikaans, yeah. but potassium in English, we've got to be different, is the fruiting and flowering, and we also call it the anti-stress, too wet, too dry, because it develops strong cells yes. in the plants. Okay. And that's particularly why you see this depletion of the tip when there's a potassium deficiency. The okay. cells aren't growing correctly anymore. And then longer. your plants you won't put as much fruit forward, it won't be as good fruit. I mean, is, and then I always think it's watering when the buds all drop because everybody comes and says, oh, I've got this beautiful lime tree. And then it flowers and I get tiny little lime fruits and then they all fall off. And I'm like, that's got nothing to do with your fertilizing because immediately they think I'm either overfeeding it or underfeeding it. And I'm like, that's a watering regime, totally. So one of the things with your original kind of chemical fertilizers is that everybody was convinced that fertilizer can burn your plant. Is there any truth to that? I mean, surely plants will only take in what they want. They're not stupid. Traditionally, the old fertilizers are mm. actually still salt-based. So, so that's that to make it. them water-soluble. So you take the nutrient, the nutrient is bound to salt mm. to make it dissolve in water as the water passes the roots of the plant, it releases the nutrients to the plant. When once it's gone past the roots of the plant, you've actually lost your nutrient. Mm. So the salt builds up and stays in your soil. And over time, you, that's when you, after two, three years of using intensive synthetic fertilizers, you eventually find that disease and pest starts really mm. invading your garden and your soil just becomes dead and lifeless because you've been putting salt into, salt that into it. Because the one thing that people always said, the reason that they would change over to an organic fertilizer rather than having a chemical one is because, as you said, the actual stuff is leaching through the soil into the groundwater and then going into the water system and all the bad things that are in the rivers, etc., etc., are now growing because it's become far too rich in our water system. I'm gathering from Talborn that there is everything that you need in there, but in lesser quantities. What is it actually based on, Maureen? It is made from natural things like your bone meal. Yeah. Yeah. So your bone meal and then naturally mined naturally mined minerals. Yeah. So it doesn't have any chemicals inside of it. It doesn't have any chicken manure inside. It doesn't have any manure inside of it. No manure. 
I thought that everybody thought that manure was like the thing that you should have in any kind of fertilizer or compost. Exactly that problem is if you actually go and see in a, a natural or in a farming system, you will see manure lying there and most times you'll see a nice shiny color mm. sort of picks it up in the sun and that's salt. So most manures, particularly from feedlot environments, yes. harvested from feedlot environments, there's a lot of salt fed okay. to the animals. Yes, because, of because they've got to grow fast. Yeah, the they've cows got to drink and eat. And yes. Yeah, so, and what about horse manure? <laughs> I know that everybody thinks, oh, I've got to have some well-rotted horse manure yeah. in my soil now. Yes. Is that one of those things? Mm. Do they also have a lot of salt or not really? They could have very acidic pH. Mm. But what happens is most of the manures, uncomposted, are very, very, they let their nitrogen off very quickly and that is what causes the burning. So basically you don't want to use a lot of raw manure and that's what makes the rule of organic is that you always put it into a composting process. You never use raw, fresh manure from anywhere okay. because it brings flies into environment. It's illegal to bring manures into a residential area because you can spread things like E. coli's etc. Yes. But we like to say from the organic principle you put it as an activator into your compost heap and mix it in with that as an activator only mm. because you don't want, for instance, if you're growing veggies, you don't want to put an active Poo. manure <laughs> in there because of the dangers of E. coli's. Yeah. Uh, I, many of the, the scandals that have broken out around, so to say, organic, although it wouldn't be a proper organic process, is when they bring sewage slurry or oh. manures or something on that's infested with E. coli. Oh, that so, makes me feel so much better about yes. eating organic. No, <laughs> that's make you stay away from things. But now, Maureen, what kind of different fertilizers are there? Because I know, obviously, we said there's, you know, you need N, P, and K. So my rule of thumb is always to say to people, if you want to feed your fruit and flowers, then you need to look for something which has fruit and flowers on as a picture on the front. Is that the best rule of thumb? No, I don't think so. But uh, with our fertilizer, you look for the red bag, which is the T15. Yeah. Because now you're trying to get a lot of potassium for your flower buds and your fruiting. So you'd have a, a higher good... number at the last number. Yes. Yeah. If you're growing um, plants that would bear fruits and flowers. So, but uh, if you just want a general garden feed, you would use the yellow bag, which is the VitaGrow. So you can use on, you know, everything new that you're putting into your garden. Or uh, if you're doing vegetables, if you transplanting ornamental plants, that would be the best fertilizer to use. Okay, so I see the green ones as well for leafy greens, and I would imagine that you would use that possibly on your lawn as well. Anything that needs a high nitrogen base, is that right? So the first number would be a high number. Yes. And you'd go from there. I just like the fact that, as I said, I like looking at the pictures. It's easy enough. You just go, that's the one that I need right now. Now, we're not only talking about um, fertilizers here, although that is the one that Talborn is very, very well known for. And most people who are in the industry, especially on TV or on radio, always saying to people that is what you should be using when it comes to fertilizers. But you've also got a number of other products which you're now pushing in the industry as well. Jenny, I saw you down at the Cape Town Flower Show a couple of years back. And one of the things that they had going throughout all the show gardens was this kind of hexagonal mesh, but like really kind of thick plastic, which was keeping all the gravel in place. And I see you've brought some in with you today. It's called Gravel Fix. And I hope you had your 
dashing high red heels on so that you could have walked across that? No, I, I was running around in, in tackies, trust me, walking up and down. I had to be as the MC there. There were no high heels for me in that case, yeah. So very important is um, it stabilizes the pebbles in your gravel system mm -hmm. or your pebbles. What's very important here is it's got a backing of a weed God, weed right. Um, and it's hexagonal plastic product, so it's very strong. Yes. And generally what happens is your pebbles all on an unprepared path always land up in your lawns or in your garden beds. They're expensive, yeah. actually, as an infrastructure. And then you're, well, and in some places, uh, people's cats come and use them as a kitty litter place. Yep. That's right. <laughs> so now this, first of all, you'd compact your soil very well. Yeah. And then you'd lay it down onto that compacted soil. And then you would put your layer of grit, if necessary, and then a layer of pebbles on top of that. So you don't have to invest in the full layer being pebbles, which is more expensive than grit. So what this is about two centimeters deep. Yes. And you can drive a car on it because, of and course, hexagons are very, very strong things. That's right. So it's ideal for driveways, for areas where you're going to entertain around your mm. pools or entrance halls. There's a lot of structural work being done nowadays in gardens because of the water scarcity. So yes. pebbles and succulents or aloes are very much in vogue at the moment, being water-wise. But what's very important is this also allows your water to drain through yes. and you don't have a solid concrete pathway which the water just runs off permeable surfaces that's, that's what we're right. looking at so i mean if you think about concrete people all too often in their courtyards they've just put pavers down there's nowhere for the water to go so i know this from my own house that i have to take my next door neighbor's storm water and oh my goodness do i have a river that comes down through my garden but it's fantastic for my grass i mean my grass is green the entire way through winter as well not that we have rain in winter but still everything that comes down I get. They have nothing keeping any water in, in their back garden. So this is a much better way. Would you be able to also then maybe lay pavers over the top of it and without putting, you know, having gravel on the sides so that it can still go down between the pavers if you want something which is flatter? I'm sure that it would stabilize that area mm. reasonably. I just don't know how you'd actually get the pavers. Well, it looks like it would have a nice sort of flat surface. So yes. We wouldn't even need to use concrete to set your pavers That's in. More Could than likely. Quite an idea. Yes, never thought of it, Melanie. <laughs> we love to get you for innovation. What other things are there in the range? I mean, we talked about fertilizers a moment ago, the ones that you can use to make your roots or your leaves. So, I mean, you'd obviously use a different one for like leafy green vegetables, would you use the same one that's high in nitrogen or would you use an actual one for fruiting and flowering? This is where people get confused when we talk about growing veggies. Okay. Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm learning how to grow organic food. Yeah. So what I do is if I'm planting leafy vegetables like your spinach, your lettuce, I use the 64. Yes. So it's the first number high, which is yes, your nitrogen. Which is yeah. Six. I use that. And if I'm planting for now, I'm doing tomato seedlings. So I start off with the 2D2. Yeah. Because we want to get, you get know, the roots uh, working well. Yes. Yeah. I use that. But then later, I'm going to top dress with the 315. Yes. To get, you know, more flowers and more fruits. But a lot of people make a mistake of using just bone meal. You mm. know, they say use bone meal. What they don't realize is a lot of phosphate in the soil locks up the other nutrients from being absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, if you've got dogs, they tend to dig everything up. 
<laughs> Have you heard that from a lot of people as well? Yes, I've heard about that. And uh, just recently on Monday, when I was walking home, this dog just came over me and was sniffing my shoes. <laughs> You've been walking around in places I like. So now what, what would you use bone meal for then? I mean, do you guys do bone meal as well? Yes, uh, we do have a Vita Force bone, which has a lot of bone meal inside of it. But we would like to advise people to use the 2D2 because it has a more balanced um, nutrient values. Yeah. Now, I, I still don't understand why one would be wanting to put ground up bones in the garden. I mean, plants don't generally live on that, do they, Jenny? You heard earlier on I said that our phosphate levels in South yes. African soils, like Australian soils, are very low in phosphate. Yeah. So we always add phosphate to that just to get the vigour up and the productivity. Naturally, what happens is if an animal or a plant dies, it returns back mm -hmm. to the earth and it decomposes. I can now and hear vegans saying, well, I don't want to use that to plant my plants in. I can understand that, but most vegetarians are happy that nothing is killed for that process. Mm. We do have alternatives in our range, like we distribute the BioGrow mm. Biotrisol. It's a sugar beet extract. Okay. So it's a 325, which is quite a general fertilizer, so they can use as an alternative. Okay, so there's a, what other stuff is there in the range apart from you know that one and bone meal and your various fertilizers? We distribute the Fertilis earthworm castings. Oh, that stuff's good. Why is it good? Beautiful. It's actually humus, so it's digested compost. It originates from dairy cow manure that are pasture fed. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the weed seeds and you don't have a lot of concentrates and antibiotics and all that type of unwanted. So the fertilizer so is actually like the fertilizer for the soil, uh, whereas right. fertilizer that you were using would be fertilizer for your plants. It's conditioning, it's yeah. humus that you add. Yeah. So it's decomposed compost, it's prepared compost. So it's very rich and it makes your soil very fertile. Mm. You get that fertility immediately by putting lots of carbon and soil life back mm. into the soil and a bit of water retention as well. Do you find that you have a lot of people coming to you, Maureen, and saying, okay, my plants aren't doing so well, so I just want to throw down a whole bunch of fertilizer. And then you have to like sit and say to them, what is your soil like? Because that is always the first thing we say to everybody is, you need to get your soil right before you put anything in. I get a lot of that questions. And plus, I've got a WhatsApp group for green industry graduates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the plant questions and the soil questions just come to me. Somebody would just send a picture of, what do I do with that soil? But I'm like, the picture's so far that I, I don't even see what the soil looks like. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, I think the best thing is if you're wondering about the problems with your soil, is to actually take some into a garden center and go and find people who know what they're talking about and say, look, I took some soil in and apparently my soil is hydrophobic. How bizarre is that? I have great tilth. It always sounds so rude to say that. Great tilth, but hydrophobic. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that you should do, and people will test the pH values for you, whether you've got too much in the way of fertilizer in it, whether you don't have enough in the way of compost in it. So your plants are never going to be happy unless you get that right first, yes? What we recommend is we believe that healthy plants, healthy people and healthy animals are all fed from a healthy soil. And the organic principle is we look to a healthy soil to start off our whole growing process. So before you start your growing, you condition your soil. Yeah. So that is adding compost, 
fertilis earthworm castings, lots of good quality compost. So you can actually bring a lot of acidity and weeds into your soil if you go for the cheapest and nastiest. Yeah, if the guys come past your house with the truck, don't open the door. Please don't. <laughs> don't do it. Because you will, for the next two years, be trying to condition your soil and, and get, get rid of the weeds. weeds. Oh, good Lord. So. Okay, now, one of the things is that we have a big issue with water in our mm -hmm. country. And people are coming up with new and innovative ways of making sure that you can actually save water by adding things to your soil. And I've seen a whole bunch of different things coming in that you make gels or if you add vermiculite into your soils when you're putting it into a pot, anything that's going to retain water. But now, you guys have brought me in this thing, which they, you said to me, oh, look at this, it's a fiber. It's made from rock. Rock wool. <laughs> rock wool. I start thinking trolls. I start thinking all kinds of weird things. I'm like, you've got to be joking. This feels like a less prickly think pink. That's right, except that it's got no harmful toxic chemicals added to it. It's got no formaldehyde, none of those harmful things. It's purely a rock that has been melted. And then a melted rock. I know, I know that the glass is made from melted sand, but you sit and think about melted rock. Mm -hmm. That's a very bizarre thing to actually have. And then it's spun into a, basically a, a fiber, which is more interesting. Well, I suppose you know, that's what they do with asbestos, but I mean, that's already broken up. What is this called? Green cubes. Green cubes, urban scape, mm -hmm. uh, range from Europe that they've been using extensively on projects even in Dubai. When you're planting out lawns, we've got a green roll. Yeah that you can put a layer of this fiber under your lawn and then you put your growing medium on top and you seed into that or else you put your roller lawn on top of that. So it okay. retains water. If it can do it in UAE, it can do it over here because those sure. temperatures That's reach. the middle of the desert, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this stuff, it's like a bidum. And I know that from trying to do vertical gardens, we'd use a bidum, put that up on the wall and plant into that. So this is it kind of feels the same, but it's made from a rock, which I still can't get my head around. Would this be good as well for, you know, they did those experiments where you've got a slope and then you've got erosion and they went and they put cocoa fabrics that are made from cocoa and you could plant into that and it would stop the plants from rolling down the hillside, in other words, and the water washing them away. Or is this purely for like a flat surface and you can plant through it? It's for a flat surface. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest that you put it onto a wall. There might be ways that you can actually anchor it onto yeah. a wall, or, but that hasn't been tried Okay, before. we're talking to use our brains in completely different ways. And having done a garden up a wall, I have seen some wonderful ones where they've done mm. it with this kind of bidum fabric. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's come unpinned from the top and just rolled all the way down yeah. again. So you have this yeah. entire house-shaped piece of greenery yeah. hanging off the mm. wall of the house, <laughs> which is very bizarre. But this is specifically really great for if you're starting a veggie garden or doing it in pots particularly in pots, because our growing medium is so poor in pots. Mm. You tend to find that you've watered now, and three quarters of an hour later, you go and have a look, and your pots are absolutely dry again. And especially in the heat of summer, it's very important, because we've got those precious plants that we spend a lot of money on, mm. and then we get too busy and we forget to water, and our plants suffer and they die. And we've lost all of that as an investment, whereas the addings of about 20 to 50 percent green cubes, mm. or if you're perhaps going away and you're going to be away for an extended period and you're not sure who's going to water regularly, 
that just does cushion the period. So you mix 20 to 50% into your growing medium in the pot, and then you plant your plant. And really, it does work fantastically. And it also seems to have a stimulating effect on the actual growth and the vigor of your plant. How long has this product been around for and where did it come from? It's made in Slovenia by a German company. Yeah. Now a very big insulation company in Europe. And it's been distributed so it's only recently the past year that it's been available in South Africa and particularly in the Western Cape where we had severe water restrictions mm. the gardeners were able to benefit from that using the green cubes and um, they last long the lifespan we've been given is 30 years but we just conservative and we have it and we say 15 years so you can just re-energize or add some compost to that growing medium from time to time just to re-energize it, but you don't have mm. to throw your green cubes away. I'm sure, I mean, Maureen's sitting here and looking at them. She, she's, she's one of the youngsters. She knows that there's all these things change and they come in, we sit there and go, wow, that's so cool. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time and, and suddenly finding new innovations. What do you think is missing that you would actually like to come up with? What is one of the things that people ask you about most of the time that you find that isn't actually on the market at the moment? For me, because I've recently just joined Taubon Organics, mm -hmm. I've worked within the industry, you know, but there were a lot of fertilizers there. The only information that you could get was what you were looking at. We mostly look at, you know, what's the NPK. We don't really read the fine print. Yeah. We don't really test these products to say, you know, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they doing what the people are telling us they're doing? You know, we need to do more research within the products that are within the industry. And I was talking to one of the lecturers at Junisa saying that we need to test actually the products that are in the market. We, the students that are doing research, we need to do that. But with this research, we mustn't just keep it for students. We must take it out to the public. And to schools. I, yes. loved it when, I love it whenever my kids get projects at school mm -hmm. and we had to like sit and work out. They weren't told they have to do it in plants. My two just decide they're always going to do it in plants. So we did a whole thing on which mulches work better using control plants and artichokes, which is always a good thing to see which one, you know, testing the water and the heat and the thing. So yeah, take it into schools. Are you going to do that? We're going to see you wandering around schools and saying to people, no, you must use this one. Talborn is the best. I am going to be doing that in the future. <laughs> I am going to start doing that. Well, there we go. So if you want to give your rather expensive plants these days. I think everybody's thinking they're not actually that bad if you look overseas how much they are. If you want to give them the best start in life, they give them the right food. And that's all too often people come in and go, my plant's looking up. Have you fed it? Have you watered it? It's like a human being. Mm -hmm. Maureen, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. And let me know when you've got some more innovative things coming in. I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I'm going to be playing with these green cubes for a while. Go and have a look for them, feel them. It's a quite weird. And uh, I'm sure your plants will thank you for it. And thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank for, you for uh, having us, Melanie. Okay, so don't forget, get out in the garden, do whatever you need to do, but just stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.